What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. And you can find everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com. Make sure that you're following us on Twitter at the Pewter Plank at Locked On Bucks. I am at Yarko underscore Bucks and David is at DH82 underscore Bucks. We have a very, very special guest with us tonight, and that would be Scott Smith of Buccaneers.com. Scott, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying the offseason to this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's 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 probably ramped down quite a bit. Of course, there yeah, yeah. there was a little we bit of news. Indy. That, go ahead. I'm sorry. We had to indie. We had to indie pretty soon for the combine. So yeah, that's, uh, that's always fun. Cold. Now, are are you real big? Is it is it the combine where uh, Ira Kaufman goes crazy over the shrimp cocktail at, at one of those restaurants? <laughs> Oh, St. Elmo's. You're talking about St. Elmo's. It is fantastic. I know it's it's a cliche, but that re- that restaurant is awesome, and the the shrimp cocktail is amazing. The shrimp are gigantic. I guess they're probably prawns, and the the um, the cocktail sauce is really hot. It like blows out your sinuses. So it's it's kind of a yep. tradition. I don't yeah. go there though. I mean, that place is expensive. I, I think I went there when the when John Gruden had a team dinner there, and I didn't have to pay for it. That's that's oh, the nice. way to go. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, we uh, we actually had a bottle of that St. Elmo's cocktail sauce at uh, oh. at Thanksgiving, and my six-year-old tried it. And just, <laughs> yeah, his aunt's telling him to spit it out. He's got tears <laughs> streaming down his face. He finally finishes, That's and he goes, great. that was good. Can I have another one? It's like, yes. <laughs> oh, I like your kid. Boy. So, yeah, I, like I mean, that... Kid. We, you can buy it at some of the local grocery stores up here. I don't know if it's the same way down there, but, yeah, that stuff is fantastic. But Scott, we want to go talking, ahead. While we're talking about regional foods, yeah, uh, David, uh, they are op- they have opened a St. Louis pizza, St. Louis style pizza place in the Bay Area. Really? So if you make your way down here, I know you guys were trying to make me eat that gross Cincinnati uh, chili. Oh, the Skyline chili. Yeah, <laughs> but if you if you make your way down here, you got to try it. Definitely, it, that's that's definitely on. Yeah. Everybody outside of St. Louis hates St. Louis style pizza, but I'm telling you, it's good stuff. All right. Well, and and I'll I'll back off the Skyline Chili. You know, when you're up here for the (laughs) Bengals game, the three of us will get together and we'll have Marion's Pizza. And that's a that's a local favorite here and and won a lot of national awards. So we'll give that a try. Yeah. I'm always down for pizza. So. Oh, yeah. So, um, all right. Well, Scott, some of the some of the news that has come up recently, we wanted to we wanted to get your takes on. And and the first thing that we want to touch on is the firing of defensive line coach Jay Hayes. And of course, I've been familiar with Jay Hayes for a long time, you know, being in the Cincinnati area, following him with the Bengals. And he did a, a really good job up here. You know, the the Bengals defensive line was one of the more formidable ones in the NFL. So one of the first things that that I wanted to ask was the timing of it seems very, very strange. Is there anything that you can kind of, you know, give some insight on as to why this happened so late in the process, or was it just kind of a, a lengthy evaluation process and, and cutter and and light and and the crew are trying to figure out where their weaknesses are and where they can improve. I mean, kind of what's, what's the the general takeaway from the firing? Yeah, it is strange. There, I mean, there's it's it's impossible to deny it is strange. And 
it, what it leads me to believe, and from what I've read and heard, that it, it was just a difficult decision for for Dirk Cutter. You know, they're friends. He and Jay Hayes are friends, and Jay Hayes, <laughs> let it be said, has had a phenomenal NFL career, and it's probably not over. I, if I'm wrong about this, let me know. I don't think he's signed on anywhere else yet, but it would, certainly would not be a surprise for him to continue his career somewhere in the NFL soon. Um, so I'm sure that was a very difficult decision for Dirk. And, and, and yeah, I agree. It was a, the timing is strange. And it, it, for the obvious reasons that everybody says, staffs change early in January. And if you are relieved of your position, you want as much time as possible to find another one. Uh, and, and so it is an unusual situation. So that makes me believe that it was a really, really tough decision for Dirk. And I don't know what hinged it. You know, you got, I, I know I work for the team. You guys know that. But that doesn't mean that Dirk is calling me into his office and telling me, you know, I, I had a change of heart on this situation or whatever. I just have to presume from what I see and hear around the building that it was a tough decision for him, but it was something they felt they had to do. Yeah, it, it just it, it really did catch a lot of people off guard, and I know it 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 really stinks for for Coach Hayes the fact that he didn't have a whole lot of talent to work with with the injuries and and the issues that they had. Chris Baker not living up to expectations. Yeah, Noah Spence going down with the shoulder again. Jacquee Smith didn't bounce back the way they had hoped or the way they had thought. So he was kind of he was really working with the bare minimum and uh, and to to lose the job over that is is really you know, I feel bad for him if I had to guess um, you know pure speculation of course it would not surprise me one bit if he ended up reunited with Hugh Jackson up in Cleveland they worked for a long time in Cincinnati mm-hmm. together it seems to be a logical fit but as far as well, the Buccaneers like, are, if something ahead. like that were to happen then you might you might you know, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. If something like that were to happen, you might speculate that Dirk and 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 uh, Jay being friends, hashing it over, say, where are we going to go from here? What is the best way to go from here? Maybe if if we go this way, you end up with Hugh Jackson. You know, right, right. Now, as far as the Buccaneers' defensive line coach is concerned, obviously that's a it's a vacant position now. And David and I were speaking a little bit before you jumped on that it seems the most logical fit at this point would be an internal hire because a lot of the coaching you know, candidates are, are now off the market with the head coaching and the staff changes around the NFL. Of course, the Colts are having to, to scramble a little bit because Josh McDaniels really screwed them over. And uh, David and I had an hour long debate over that. And that was that was a fun episode. But a name that we've heard. Uh, from pewterreport.com, of course, was Paul Spicer, who's currently on the staff. And then another name that we've seen floated around is Brent, Brent, uh, Brenton Buckner. Sorry about that. Uh, and, of course, he has ties with Jason Light from, you know, they, there was some overlap there with the Arizona Cardinals. And he's been their defensive line coach for the last five years. Are there any other candidates that you're able to share with us that you know of? Or is it? are we kind of thinking we're on the right track in this is going to be an internal hire just because of the timing of everything? 
Well, I would say that you're not off the right track in that I'm sure they will give Paul Spicer an opportunity to um, interview for that job and see if he's the right man for it. And and I know and I know you're talking about Brinson Buckner and there was the Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator who's now out there who has connections with um, Dirk Cutter and all, all that's cool. I mean, all that makes sense when you you're, it's connecting the dots, right? You're like that guy. These two people used to work together, and now there's an opportunity. But what I would not sleep on is the possibility that the Buccaneers might dip into the college ranks for this. Okay. I think that's something that nobody has discussed. There's a pretty good track record through the years of the Buccaneers uh, getting coaches their first NFL jobs, you know, guys like Mike Tomlin and Rod Marinelli and Lovey Smith and, and even Sean McVay, you know, Nate Hackett all kinds of guys that, that have gone on to good things that have had their first jobs out of college with the Buccaneers. And I don't think it would be a crazy idea to dip into the college ranks right now. And I think that opens up a lot of possibilities. You know, uh, you, you, what you said about the, the coaches uh, in this coaching carousel, and it's a little bit late in the coaching carousel now, in uh, in the ranks of NFL guys who are moving from team to team, that's a very good point. But if you talk, if you open up the field and talk about, college coaching candidates now you got some more options and i obviously don't have any specific names i'm just saying i think that's a possibility so speaking of the college rank scott i think i think it's very interesting that, that you bring that up and i actually have a name to throw out there um Uh-oh. not obviously i don't have any information you don't have but uh the the ohio state buckeyes have had some pretty strong success developing nfl defensive linemen i think we would all agree so Maybe Larry Johnson, the defensive line coach and assistant head coach from Ohio State, could be uh, a, po- a possible candidate for that job. Yeah, well, like I said, I didn't have any specific names, so you're happy <laughs> on that regard. Um, I you said Ohio State, and I started to get a little worried, started to sweat a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's that's not the name that was coming up. Um, but speaking of contracts and and, and guys that are obviously going to have an impact on the Buccaneers uh, in 2018 and beyond, even. Um, one name that I've been itching and, and, you know, constantly checking my Twitter to see if there's any updates from him, his wife, the organization, anybody Brent is Grimes. Brent Grimes. Yes, sir. Has there been any movement whatsoever on that? No, not that I haven't <laughs> heard anything. And it's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, I mean, when he, he sat there in front of his locker on that Monday after the last game, after he had already talked to Dirk and Dirk had said, we want you back. Yep. And he said, I'm not going to make everybody wait. Right. <laughs> and it's mid-February now. We're still waiting, Brent. I mean, that makes me concerned. I got to be honest. I mean, I, I if you were going to return, I think it would be more likely you would have already said so. So I'm a little worried about that. Yeah, because you and me both. I don't think we have a very – I don't think our cornerback depth is particularly good. And if you take Brent Grimes out of the equation, now I'm getting a little worried. Right. No, I I definitely agree. And I mean, I said back then when we when we had the conversation about that, that as much time as he needs to get to a yes, we're good with. Um, <laughs> exactly. So hopefully that's what's happening. But I'm with you. The, yeah. the longer it takes, the more nervous I get. But I almost kind of wonder if he's just kind of waiting to see what happens, you know, with the first few days of free agency, if this team brings in well, some pieces that make yeah. him more confident, maybe. I don't know. And, and, you know, it's a true point that we talk about it as if, Either he's going to retire or he's going to be a Buccaneer. Right. He has the third choice. Yes, he yeah. does. 
and I wouldn't want to see that happen, but you have to acknowledge yeah. that he has that choice. He definitely does have that choice. That that would definitely be a sad day for me and, and for many Buccaneers fans. But I mean I would be like surprised. every Yeah. I think I I agree. I would be surprised too. But like every vague thing that Miko Grimes does on Twitter, I like try to find <laughs> hidden meaning. I'm like, oh man, this means he's coming back because she said she likes grocery stores in Tampa. I don't know, like you know what I mean? Well, Just... Yeah, well you have the best grocery stores, public. <laughs> there you go. Um, there you go. So speaking of another guy, uh much more likely, well, he'll obviously be back for 2018, but uh, you know, obviously with much more of uh, stability in his future career anyway. Mike Evans, obviously the news came out. Uh, his agent told uh, the guys at Peter Report that he that he wasn't going to be uh, renegotiating a long-term deal uh, as of right now. It wasn't really a concern of his. He was more focused on playing out his option year and seeing where things go uh, for 2019 and, and, and ahead. Um, what, are your, what are your kind of thoughts on that? Did you know that was happening? Did you kind of already know that was coming, or was that kind of a surprise to everybody? Did did I know that he was gonna that his agent was gonna say that? Is that what you're asking? I'm not sure. I no, I didn't know that. Yeah, but I don't put much stock into any of that stuff. uh, To be honest with you, Uh, agent saying the things at this point, I I don't. You you and I have no idea what the purpose of it is. Is it straightforward? Is it you know? Is it just part of the negotiating tactics along the way? I. I can't imagine a world in which the Buccaneers' top priority right now is not locking down Mike Evans long term. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's a two-way street, and I think that's what you're saying. He, right. you know, he has to agree as well. But um, no, I, that kind of thing, I don't ever put much stock or get too much worried about that kind of thing. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but through the years, I haven't, I haven't felt like that was that important. You know, those types of I don't want to say posturing because I don't want to diminish. I'm sure that the the agent and whatever Mike would feel is real and important. So mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's posturing, but it's just the kind of things that it's part of the process, right? Yeah. It just. I hope I'm right. The whole thing is a chess match, really, right? I mean, it's it's all about you know how how you're setting up the future. But uh, yeah, I'm with you on there. I don't really have a a big. We were talking about it on our, our group message with the Peter Plank guys and. You know, uh, one of our writers expressed some concern with that, and I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm not really too concerned about it. But uh, I kind of gave my own little un- uneducated speculation on why, you know, if I'm Mike Evans, this might be why I'm I'm having my agent say this kind of stuff. But again, that's all kind of conjecture. And bottom line is, he's a buck for 2018, so let's worry about 2018 before we worry about 2019 too much. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, this is a, the time when you want to try to make it happen. Yeah, right? isn't isn't uh, th- that would be. I would presume this to be the next big news from the Buccaneers, you know, Hope so. uh, the long, long-term Mike Evans contract. Hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. Now uh, let's say for lack of a better term, worst case scenario, um, there is no long-term deal done through the off season. Mike goes into 2018, just playing the final year of his of his rookie contract. Obviously, Jason Light and, and his crew have been setting up the salary cap to prepare themselves for these kinds of extensions yeah. that are forthcoming. You have Mike, you have Quan yeah. Alexander, um, Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, and of course Jameis Winston, who is going to yeah. make a hundred billion dollars the way right. quarterback contracts are going. Is there any kind of fear? that if if the bucks don't get him locked up before this contract expires that 
being able to hit the open market, they will lose him? Or do you, you know, having well, had interactions with Mike, do you feel he's really, he's, he's a Buccaneer for, you know, for the long haul kind of, how do you, how do you see that playing out? All right. Well, I mean, this is a, I'll answer the question, but it's a giant hypothetical, right? I mean, we're talking, he plays the, he plays for the season, no contract happens and he hits unrestricted free agency. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, answering the question based upon the fact that it's a giant hypothetical that I personally don't think will happen. Of course I would be, I would be chewing my fingernails off. I I think that would be a terrible situation. I, you don't want to let your guys have that opportunity because it only takes one great visit to one, you know, Matthew Stafford throws for 4,500 yards this year and the lions don't, you know, they, they need one great receiver and they offer him the world. I mean, of course you're worried about that kind of thing. Uh, I would be very worried about that. Uh, but I, I don't think it'll come to that. I certainly hope not. Uh, and, and, you know, I guess you always have the, the option of the um, franchise tag, but I, can you guys think of a franchise a receiver that's been franchise tagged? Doesn't seem like it happens with receivers because uh, maybe the value isn't worth it. Yeah, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's an astronomical price tag. I mean, Le'Veon Bell got what last year on the right. on the franchise tag, like fifteen, sixteen million, which was way more than any other running back, right? So, right, and it would probably be the same thing with the receivers. So, it's hard to see it coming to that. I don't know. That's just the way I feel. Yeah, definitely. I have, I have the same feeling, and I know. Uh, I don't think the Bucks are really all that uh, historically have been all that that quick to pull the trigger on a franchise tag either. So it definitely feels like That's a long term deal is is probably on the horizon. Whether it's uh, previous to the the season beginning, which is obviously uh, beneficial to both be sides, preferable, or yeah. you know, uh, later on. But hopefully, uh, we get to see Mike in uh, in Pewter here for for a long time. I've got three of his jerseys. I'd like to keep them. And uh, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a bur- jersey burning guy anyway, but I'd like to be able to wear them and not have to explain to people who it was. Um, so moving on to, you could uh, say it was Justin Evans. There you go. I'll just, uh, yeah, yeah. get some, some yeah. duct tape or something and make it. Happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to, so we talked about, uh, some free agent, you know, contracts with Brent Grimes and, and the like, and then some, some current guys, but moving on to the draft. Uh, like you said, the combine's coming up. So draft season's about to get into, uh, full speed. Uh, as you know, um, so Quentin Nelson, Mika Fitzpatrick, Saquon Barkley, a little bit kind of tailing off really on his connection to the Bucks, though. Um, Bradley Chubb, of course, and then, you know, the the always famous or the always popular trade back option. Um, of those, you know, it's uh if, if we're in, in Scott Smith's world and everything goes exactly the way you want it to go on draft night, who what's happening at pick seven? Oh, you mean like the wish list, not what I think is going to happen? Yeah, the wish list. Let's go with the wish list, and then if you oh. want, we can get into what you think is actually going to happen. But yeah. I want to hear what the no, wish I mean, list first. I would like to believe that um, there's a that the quarterbacks continue to rise over the years, over the weeks and months to come, and that the teams trade up in the top six. And uh, you know, you hope that the, the the main two guys, what are the, Rosen and uh, Darnold and Rosen and Allen, and they yep. all go as expected and somebody falls in love with Baker Mayfield and, and they all go in the t- – I mean, if those guys all go in the top 
six, which I don't think is crazy. I think it's possible. Uh-huh. I don't think it's crazy. If those guys all go in the top six, then the Bucks have their pick, right? Basically. And I'm hoping yeah. it's Bradley Chubb. Nice. Because, I mean, there's nothing we need more than some kind of weapon off of the edge. I mean, that's obvious. I'm not I'm not some Buck expert. You don't have to talk to Buck's expert to tell you that. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, the, if it was Saquon Barkley, I, on paper, I would say I don't really want us to draft a running back, but once we did, I'd, I'd probably buy all in and drink the Kool-Aid and be excited about it because you've got the Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette factor that can really make a big difference mm-hmm. right away, and I agree with that. Um, I'm not real high on the Minka Fitzpatrick idea. Uh, because if he's not a if he's not a cornerback, I'm not that excited. You know, mm-hmm. I, we just drafted Justin Evans. I don't think safety's really that big of a deal. Um, I I would actually be sold on on the Notre Dame guard, Quentin Nelson, right? Yep. I, you know, I'm not sure how if that's the number one position that would make the biggest impact in 2018. But we haven't drafted an offensive lineman in, in the first round since 2006, and at some point I think you got to add some premium talent to that. Um, so it wouldn't bother me. But it, my best-case scenario, my wish list would be corner, quarterbacks dominate the top six and the Buccaneers get Bradley Chubb, but I don't think it will happen. So you think the, uh, the Colts are going to swoop in there and grab Bradley Chubb? Yes. I would I would direct you to what was it two years ago when um, the two teams traded up for Goff and Wentz, mm-hmm. right? Wasn't that was 2016, wasn't it? Yep. And yeah. I remember clearly there was no consensus as to who would go third to San Diego. No consensus whatsoever as right. to who would go third. And when it came down to it, they took Joey Bosa, who was, I mean, if you if you're and they were right clearly, if you're sold that that this is a legitimate pass rushing threat off the edge, the best one in the draft, that's what goes. That's what goes right after quarterbacks, if you ask me. That, and I take that over a running back, over a, an offensive lineman, over a cornerback, anything. And, and I think that's what's going to happen here, that after the cornerbacks, if you take the quarterbacks out of the picture, who, picture who's the player that the team that doesn't need a quarterback wants, it's going to be Bradley Chubb. Now, obviously, if Andrew Luck can't throw the ball, maybe things will be different. But right, yeah, that could definitely change things. But I don't know. Like, I think the Colts draft a quarterback there in the first round. You're you're opening more more drama to your franchise than you are answering any questions. Yeah. So uh, I'm right. definitely with you on that. I mean, I think the good news about all these options is it's very likely that more than one of those options is going to be available at number seven. And really. You know, I think every every Buccaneers fan probably has their favorite, but I think really we can be happy to a certain extent with any of those guys. Um, I'm yeah. with you where I think Fitzpatrick is probably at the bottom of my wish list uh, when, when looking at those guys. I think Chubb and Nelson are definitely my one and two, so obviously Barkley would be number three. And and I don't know. I, I'm a big tradeback fan and, and stockpile picks, but when you're trying to build a winner, especially when you're talking about a staff that for the most part we all kind of assume is is on their last strike, uh, you, you're not looking to trade back. You're more looking to get impact players, and and there's plenty of them available. So, well, I think the trade back idea is a great idea. Uh-huh. Uh, I just think it's it's a lot easier to say it on you know to 
say it and to put it on oh, paper definitely. and to actually have it happen. You know, unless, and, and this, I wrote about this a couple of days ago, the possibility of trading out of the number seven pick. And it, it actually hasn't been a good pick for movement mm-hmm. backwards because generally the quarterbacks either go right away. Right. They go in the first few. They don't go around seven. The, the quarterbacks don't generally go in that area. So that that's who people are trading up for is to get the quarterbacks. And, mm-hmm. and seven hasn't been a great spot for that. But who knows? Maybe maybe with the, maybe like a Baker Mayfield, you know, somebody's not sold on him in the top five, but then he's still sitting there at six or seven. You know, maybe it's a possibility. I would love it. If, trade back, if you could trade back, if Bradley Chubb's already gone and you could trade back, and get like that Davenport, mm-hmm. you know, from UTSA. That makes a lot of sense to me, but I still think it's a long shot. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 talent across the board. I think. I mean, even you know, like you said, Davenport. I mean, you got uh, you got the the left the, the the left tackle there, right tackle there out of Notre Dame. Uh, he's he's a good one. Can't remember his name right now off the top of my head, but there's some other guys back there. That. So yeah. so definitely some talent across the board. So. I'm sure they're going to answer the phone, you know, no matter who, if anybody calls, I'm sure they're going to answer and, and at least see what the conversation is. So uh, it, it should be a fun, a fun first round and fun draft over, overall, really. Well, it's kind of interesting in that uh, the the first three drafts under Jason Light, um, it was pretty obvious we won a receiver, right, in 2014. Mm-hmm. And then we had the first pick, so Jameis was semi-obvious. And then mm-hmm. 2016, I, I know, I, I think, Vernon Hargraves was a very commonly uh, mock drafted pick for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely. And then last year was a surprise, but we were down there at 19, so that's not that surprising. Now we're at pick number seven, which is a, usually a spot where you kind of have a pretty good feel. And, you know, I think there's four or five different ways they could go. So oh. it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch how it all unfolds. Actually, speaking of last year, uh, James, you remember better than I do who it was, but. Like one of the very first mock drafts that came out at the end of the season had the Buccaneers taking OJ Howard, and we didn't uh, publish it, but internally was, we roasted that guy. <laughs> yeah, it was Matt Miller. Yeah, there you go, Matt Miller. Yeah, we roasted oh, yeah, him okay. internally, and then when it, and as we're getting closer, we're all like, eh, you know, maybe we were maybe we were wrong, and then it happened, and we're like, yeah, we were wrong. Go uh, I, I roasted him on Twitter for it. I didn't. Did get you a actually response, go on Twitter? But, okay. Oh yeah, I, I went after him. <laughs> I knew we didn't <laughs> hey, publish anything. <laughs> well, it, this, it, uh, go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. I'll tell you this: we, I know everybody said and reacted as they did after the draft internally. I mean, Jason Light and and so on. We didn't expect him to be there. It was a coup. You know, we we were thrilled, and that's all true. But there was there were a couple models that they worked on that had him drop in there, so they weren't incredibly they were surprised but they weren't completely surprised you know what i'm saying they had worked out some models you guys i'm sure you've heard this before and it's true they do a lot of like i don't know if you'd call it mock drafting but just figuring out what the teams in front of them might do and and what could happen there and there were some people there that thought it was possible that oj howard would be there at 19 which i only heard after the fact and was surprised by but they were surprised he was there, but it wasn't a complete shock. 
Yeah, and one of the things that I, I agree with you on, Scott, is if Chubb isn't there, I really like the idea of Quentin Nelson at seven if, too, if yeah. trading back isn't an option. And one of the things that David and I spoke about uh, a few weeks ago was position scarcity. And, you know, Quentin Nelson is one of the highest rated, if not the highest rated offensive linemen in the draft. And, and I realize people are saying, you know, you don't pass on a, a talent like Saquon Barkley. But to me, with the help that the Buccaneers need, both on the offensive line and defensive line, I would rather have a combination of the best offensive linemen and a running back like a Sony Michelle in the second round rather than taking that best running back first and then having to settle for an offensive lineman who isn't nearly as good as Quentin Nelson. You know, the two have to have to play hand in hand. There's a symmetry there. There's it all works together. You know, that's why football is such an amazing sport. So Quentin Nelson may not be the, the quote unquote sexy pick that people get all excited and, and, you know, they're not immediately jumping on Buccaneers.com and and going to the pro shop and pre-ordering their Quentin Nelson jerseys, but it could turn around and make that second or third round running back a superstar when he helps solidify an offensive line that had so much trouble. I don't know if I could possibly agree with you more. (laughs) <laughs> I completely agree with everything you just said. Uh, it's position scarcity and the fact that you, you don't take the right. I mean, maybe if Saquon Barkley's there at seven and you think he's the most amazing running back, he's head and shoulders above the rest, I could understand it. But I agree. You take, because you can generally get running back talent later in the draft, you take the guy you can't get in the third, second, or third round, Quentin Nelson. And then you get a running back that's good, maybe not Saquon Barkley, but very good. I, I complete. That's how you work a draft. That's the whole point of how you work a draft. I completely yeah. agree. And, and Jason Light has done a phenomenal job of working the drafts. You know, he has misses like any other GM, but overall, um, it's really hard to complain unless you're vehemently trying to complain about Jason Light. It's really tough to find reasons to complain about his his ability to find talent both in the draft and in undrafted free agency. Yeah, the draft's been pretty good. I agree. We've got found a lot of starters, even guys in the fourth and fifth round, like Quan and and Pampho and Kendall Beck was a third round pick. A lot of guys like that. Yeah. All right. Well David, do you have anything else for our uh are now two, three, three-time guests. I'm sorry? I thought you were going to say esteemed colleague. Oh, well, hey, if you'll allow Ooh. us to call you that, then by all means, we will. Oh, please. <laughs> um, yeah, because yeah, I, I missed my third time. first appearance. This is my third time. I'm a three-time, I'm a three-time guest now. Yeah, well, you're closing in on Trevor Sikkim of, of Pewter Report because we've had him. Oh, he's good. Yeah, we, we have a lot of he's fun good. talking to him. When we did the old podcast, I think he was on there five or six times. He's only been on uh, on Locked On Bucks once, so you're you're okay. beating him on on that front. But we definitely always enjoy uh, enjoy some of your time. So yeah, bef- before we uh, we let Scott escape, David, do you have anything else? No, I think for 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 this go around, I think we hit a lot of good things. And Scott, again, you know, appreciate all all as always. I pre- we appreciate you making time for us. Oh, and you don't have to say it that way. I I appreciate your you let me on here to talk. We're just talking bucks. Good stuff, yeah, man. Yeah, it'll help the uh, the off season go by a little bit faster. You know, we still have the we have the lightning to cheer for, and pitchers and catchers have reported, and 
You know, I'm go Cardinals. I'm a red. I'm sorry. I said go Cardinals. When you yeah, I'm gonna say you're you're Cardinals. a Cardinals fan. David's a Rockies fan. I, to the chagrin of many yeah, of our Buccaneers right. listeners, am a Red Sox fan. But to be fair, I was a Red Sox fan before the Rays were a team. So at least give me a little bit of a pass on that. That's one. <laughs> hey, for for the for the Rockies fan here, I think it's criminal how little support it's not quite enough he might get there but larry walker is a hall of famer larry yes. walker for sure is a hall for of famer sure. i love he's that not even close that. to getting the support he's getting no he's like the simeon rice of the baseball hall of fame right i mean oh there you it's, go it's it's ridiculous <laughs> and and for the record i did live in missouri for uh for well i lived there for four years i was only there for three years i was gone for a year but uh, yeah exactly and uh yeah. i'm not a cardinals fan but i did enjoy being around the atmosphere and being, I went to some games and, and definitely some good fans out there and some good baseball being played out there. So those are good memories and of, uh, of uh, the Cardinals game. So good stuff. Cool. All right, guys. Good talking to you. All right. Go well, Bucks. Scott, go Bucks. Yeah, senior editor and, and writer of uh, at Buccaneers.com. Yeah. We certainly appreciate some of your time. And what is uh, for everybody out there listening who, who isn't aware, which they should be, what is your Twitter handle? Scott S. Bucks. So Scott S. and B-U-C-S. All right. Well, yeah. Scott, thank you so much for some of your time. We look forward to having you on again. Hopefully we can have you on uh, maybe right before free agency or maybe after that first That's initial yeah. craziness. And, and, yeah, we can get your takes on on not just the Bucks, but kind of everything that, that happened and all the dominoes that fell in free agency. I think that would be a lot of fun. Sounds good. Appreciate your guys' time, James. All right. Thanks, Scott. All right. Bye-bye. A big thank you once again to Scott Smith, senior writer and editor of Buccaneers.com, for giving us some of his time to talk about Jay Hayes and Mike Evans and a little bit on the draft. We really look forward to having him again very soon. Uh, sounds like we'll uh, we'll be able to make that happen right around free agency, which I think will provide some really entertaining conversation and, and insight. Make sure that you're following everything that David and I are doing over at thepewterplank.com. We're closing in at the very end of our 40 teams in 40 days. Um, as we wrap up our, our focus on these college programs and the potential draft prospects that the Buccaneers could be targeting, it's been a lot of fun going through that. And you can check out all of the teams that we've done over at thepewterplank.com in our draft section. Make sure that you're following on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at the Peter Plank. I am at JayYarko underscore Bucks, and David is at DH82 underscore Bucks. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us here once again at LockedOnBucks. <laughs>